Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 41. 41. 41. That number means nothing. Indeed. What I've decided I need to do is learn what the bingo calls are for these numbers. After 41 episodes. Yes. I've just decided that. Just decided. But I have no idea what 41 is. I don't know what 41 is. 41, nothing. I think that's what they say. (laughs) 41. 41, lots of nuns. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, it's bingo, so probably it's the only day they get out, isn't it? But the the caller's just having a nervous breakdown and describing what he's seeing in his fever dream. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, 40. I don't know any other bingo calls. I know two fat ladies, 88. Two little ducks, 22. I'll kill you, five. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> how are you nick i'm very well oh good it's been a big week at the bingo hall that it has an exciting time well i'm hoping tomorrow we might we can go to the bingo again oh the bingo that's the first place we'll be going first <laughs> place that we go down a bingo hall for, for a big tray of questionable food and a <laughs> and a card that is terrifying <laughs> have you ever been to the bingo i can't say i have actually no i have i have i went on a work ill-advised work do thing not even a work do some and it's fucking terrifying they call it so fast we were up in the top bit of the thing there were some homeless people sleeping behind us i think one of them was dead it was a terrible night but we've got all of that to look forward to any poisonings this week nick uh not that i'm aware of oh okay again quiet week not much leaving the house so yeah well you know well we'll get round to more poisonings i'm sure soon i have no doubt Oh, yeah, absolutely. Christmas Christmas is approaching. Many a family poisoning going on and all that. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. You could just say there are restrictions. <laughs> I can't travel and also I'll kill you. Well, Nick. Yes. Are you ready? I have no idea. To drink cocktails and talk about poison? You almost forgot what you were going to say there. Or we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. I was wavering. I'm wavering. I'm not sure I'm on the fence. Not sure which one. Not sure. Uh, Which one should we do? Well, considering the jolly 
ingredient you gave me this week. It would be rude not to have a cocktail. <laughs> Should we go with the first one? Let's go with that one. Yay! Well, it is my story this week. Hooray, hooray, hooray. But uh, we can't, we can't, we can't possibly tell a story without a cocktail in hand. My madness. Such a madness. thing. Inconceivable. Um, as you know, each week we pick a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell and will flavour our cocktail of the week. And this week, I chose the secret yes. ingredient... You did, didn't you? And it is... Mm. Teeth. Uh, yeah, see, when you messaged me with that, it was a bit like... Mm, mm. I, I like a challenge, though. So I, the weeks did... where it's like brandy or gin or something... There we go. There were two choices. One of them was brandy, and we've already done brandy. And now there's variants yeah. on brandy, but I gave you the choice. But teeth? I, I like something different. <laughs> Makes life interesting. Could be dreadful. It could be. Well, this this did kick off on social media. It did. Yes, I've I know. I've never awesome. seen so many comments. And we've put some shitty ingredients out there in the past, people. <laughs> I mean, we've put ones that people are, where, where, where? And, and just very some obscure ones, people just laugh. And everyone's just terrified by the idea of teeth. I did read through some of those messages, and and I'm quite upset I have not garnished it with, like, Haribo gummy teeth or something. Yeah, yeah. Because that would be awesome. That would be pretty cool. I just didn't think of that. Or just dentures. Or I I don't actually have a pair of dentures to hand, I must admit. Oh, well, okay, fair enough. You're not committed to the role. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay, well, dentures aside, with the secret ingredient of teeth toothy goodness teeth. what have you come mm. up with nick well there i would say there were a few options <laughs> not really that many options i did not go and grind up some teeth oh no, i did i thought well, a milk thing we've done milk it's very bad no, no, it does no not milk, go well no, no milk then i thought oh we could do a a minty thing like a toothpastey minty oh, that's thing. clever but oh but we've done minty toothpaste we don't not we've done minty <laughs> we haven't done minty toothpaste we have we haven't done toothpaste but we've done peppermint we have peppermint so what i've gone with is a cocktail name okay the serpent's tooth the serpent tooth oh the i like it tooth. oh i like it i like dramatic. it Ooh, it sounds dramatic. it sounds dramatic and it's especially appropriate for yourself why because it's based on irish whiskey yes and the thing is of the beating of the snakes out of <laughs> That's what it's. That's the. That's the whole naming thing comes from. Sorry. Oh, oh please do go on. Tell us the story. I don't know the story. It's like the the, the saint who like shooed all the snakes away. Saint Patrick scared all that's the snakes the out of Ireland. Yeah. Exactly. He went go go you snakes off you go. So that is where that is the story behind this cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an excuse to beat up the Irish. That's what it was. So a serpent's tooth. Now we have been stung in the past with some great sounding names, but then we have then mediocre cocktails although we've had quite a good run lately this is true i I mean is that does that mean we're on a good run and it's gonna be good or are we just like due a bad one i don't if it's irish whiskey i'm gonna go with good one for the the good of my people but i think it's time for us to go to our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm see you in a minute i'll see you in a bit And we're back. Hello. A serpent's tooth, a serpent's eh, Nick? Tooth. Yes, serpent's indeed. tooth. I accidentally have a very full glass. Uh, it's accidentally. Uh, totally accidentally. Well, you told me to put it in a small glass and now it's full. <laughs> you could have made like two drinks. Don't be insane, Nick. <laughs> or I could have had both of them. Oh, God, no. Yeah, exactly. You could have two <laughs> drinks like I've got. Well, you thought ahead. I just have a massive glass that I'm afraid See, to move. I well. thought ahead. <laughs> well, I made a small little one, but I gave it to my husband. Yeah, but you say that's the problem. You have husband, so it's like... Yeah, yeah. I know. Whereas God I damn get it. to drink both. 
<laughs> if I'd known I could have made two cocktails for myself, I never would have gotten married. <laughs> so it is a uh, it is a rusty, rusty kind of colour. Yes, rusty, brown, orangey sort of brown, Brownie, auburn shades of brown. Tumnal. Yes, well, talk us through it, Nick. Uh, no, what do you mean, no? I want you to drink it first. You do this every time now. Yeah, because <laughs> you, be- you've because... tried to do this from the start. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I have because you'll you'll, you'll see what you'll hear what's in it and go, uh, uh, don't like that. And then you'll drink it and hate it. Oh, God. But if I don't tell you what's in it... Okay, fine. Then... Then, then I'll have to live with my lies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, fine. Nick has now, 40 episodes in, decided to stage a I revolution. I have now decided. This is how it's going to be. Cool. Well, let's taste first a serpent's juice. Yes. Cheers. Hmm. That's quite nice. Surprisingly pleasant, actually. Yeah, that is nice. Very, um, very lemony. So I know you had to put lemon in it. Now, Nick has delivered me a mixture in a bottle that I don't know what it is but all he said to me was add lemon to it so I know there's lemon <laughs> so maybe that's all I'm tasting because I know that's the only thing that's in it but I know there's, there's Irish whiskey much, in too, there as well I think there's too much lemon well I don't know let's have a little second sip the first sip of that is lovely I think there is too much lemon because it it's quite a bitter aftertaste that actually has I think that'd be quite nice I think less lemon personally little less um, lemon yeah because it, it, it's so, overpoweringly lemony aftertaste but the first the actual aroma of the first sip is quite complex and lovely it makes you want to go back for more maybe that's the trick indeed. behind the cocktail I think that could that could be interesting that alright reveal all how much chartreuse is in this there is no chartreuse in this oh thank the good lord okay there good there is no chartreuse in this so we do have Irish whiskey what kind I got um Bushmills, black. Yes, 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 black bush. Oh, that's my favourite. Can I have the rest of uh, it? No. I'm sure when you come to the house, eventually you'll drink it all anyway. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so we have that. We have a sweet vermouth. Okay. A red vermouth. So we have a basics of a Manhattan going on there. Yeah. But then this is where we have a variation. We have Jaeger. Whoa. So we have a bit of really intense herbaliness yeah. going on with some Jaeger. Um, okay. We also have a bit of sugar syrup. Uh-huh, and uh-huh, then uh-huh. the lemon juice. I would never have guessed there was Jaeger in there. So there's quite a few things in there. It's um so there's like four or five, well, five ingredients um, in that one. Crazy. I, I, I was fully I expecting be... you to say maraschino. I was fully expecting. I don't know why. Probably it has got used a to... really fruity yeah note to it, which I'm surprised by. It does taste like it has got something like maraschino in, but it doesn't. Unless I really screwed up with the bottles. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, the sweet vermouth is quite. It's got a bitterness to it. Could yarn about blackbush and bushmills for, for, for many, many an hour. Oh, and we've got bitters as well. Angus. Oh, bitters. bitters. Oh, okay, that's fine. So that gives a little bit more of the herbalness in there. But but blackbush. I love that whiskey because as an Irish whiskey it's not sweet like bourbon but because of the cask aging and the way they do it, it it's got a lot of um, complexity with the flavour without it being too harsh like a scotch it does give you a bit of fruitiness so that's why it's a good choice I'm blown away that there's Jaeger in that and you're yeah. right and you know what credit to you Nick you're right not to tell me that before because it would have been it would have tainted your opinion of it it would have but I can't taste it I, well, I couldn't taste it the way you think that you taste Jaeger compared to everything else it is a small quantity I mean you've got half an ounce in there where you've got two ounces of the Bushmills an ounce of the sweet vermouth yeah obviously, so it made quite a lot so obviously as a percentage there's a relatively low amount of Jaeger in there but it, it's in there in yeah. the background and it does sort of add that sort of slightly herbal sort of thing going on yeah I will try this one again and I think because it's got an ounce and a half of lemon. I think perhaps try it with an ounce. Mm. Just drop the lemon yeah, down slightly. Yeah, that was a lemon and a half yeah. I had to put in. So I think perhaps drop that down slightly. And I think that could be a really interesting drink. To be honest, though, after a couple more sips, I don't mind the lemon. And I'm thinking maybe you need that much lemon to, to balance out any kind of the 
the really strong herbal flavors maybe there's a reason for well, it maybe, maybe so. if, you, if you take it down we'll, we'll, but maybe we'll we find out that. and we'll try and find out very pleasantly surprised i had that had the potential to be dreadful yeah and it's actually it's, yeah it's good intriguing worth a try i mean if it is quite the list of ingredients if you do have it at home i would definitely say give it a go do it this is one that i think emma from real life ghost stories would be like yes Jaeger, yes i can do that <laughs> so yeah well hopefully we get to see them again before christmas i shall definitely make this for her oh let's hope let's hope we need a podcast christmas special oh i've said it now i've you said really it have now to. why have you said that i have i have well with our serpent's tooth teeth firmly in hand as if we're going to war some sort of weird <laughs> viking war it sounds like did they uh, fight- ready- sorry i'm sorry did the vikings fight the snakes <laughs> uh I- as like as whips <laughs> sort of thing you know <laughs> I was kind of trying to imply I'm a dragon's teeth or giant snake's teeth. They were used as charms and they would also be used as weapons if you followed them down enough. Um, now, I'm fine with Vikings going in with, uh, like with snake, snakes snake just beating people. <laughs> the fearless Vikings, they've got snakes! <laughs> and people who are afraid of snakes were just running. <laughs> I don't like that, it. Go. That sounds fun. I don't like it. Yes. I don't know whether they went into battle with um, <laughs> serpent's teeth either. See, see, serpents were bigger back then um, no just everything you said is just lies it's just all every, lies every, everything I say is lies believe nothing on this podcast it's all lies apart from me I'm you're a fountain of I'm knowledge I'm a fountain of fountain knowledge lies <laughs> okay so well are you ready yes. for a story Nick get on with it <laughs> now you've got your Jaeger in exactly you're giving it Larry aren't you <laughs> got my half shot yeah, of Jaeger chase it with a red bull in a minute Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
<laughs> so for this week's story, we are in the aftermath of one of the most sensational murder trials of the Victorian age. Ooh. And one of the leading pathologists in England goes on record of saying, now that it's all over, she should tell us in the interests of science how she did it. Oh, nice. Very good. Yes, like this that. week we are exploring the Pimlico mystery, the Pimlico poisoning, the, oh, look, see, he's dead tragedy. <laughs> that last one I made up. <laughs> Surprise, more lies, more lies. No, it is the case of Adelaide Blanche Bartlett. Nice. I was wondering where we're going to get to this one. <laughs> one of the biggest scandals of the time and one of the most debated poisoning murder trials ever. Proper back in Victorian London we are. <laughs> so let us start with the story of Adelaide herself. She was born Adelaide Blanche de la Tremoille. Ooh, very fancy. And she was born in 1855 in Orléans, in France. Orléans. Orléans. Yes, Orléans. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to say Orléans. 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 Shall we say Orléans? <laughs> she had an English mother and a French father, well, on paper. <laughs> Monsieur de Orléans. No, there were rumours about her father, Adolf. Uh, no, not that one. Uh, no that one was... thought that one. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of people did for In a the second. Victorian Adolf. era. What? In 1855, he had a head start. <laughs> well, there were rumours that, that he was not, in fact, her biological father. His name appeared in her birth certificate. But there were rumours that her real daddy was an Englishman of some social standing. Some said that he may have even been a member of the Queen Victoria's entourage. Quite a few of those, I think. But these rumours, they're not exactly rumours, but we can't really prove who he was. What we do know is that Adelaide had a father of some social standing and his name was never revealed, but he definitely was in the background throughout this story he continued to support his daughter through his life and his influence is seen throughout this story the level of influence he seems to have implied maybe made people think bloody hell was he connected to the queen we don't know was this through like the, the court of chancery thing pardon me this through the court of chancery that d- d- yes what <laughs> okay well, no random victorian knowledge the court of chancery was a a legal establishment that provided for rich nobility to mm. uh, provide for illegitimate children but it done through such a major sort of legal twist and turns that you would never find out who the actual father was behind so much red tape and stuff like that but it allowed fancy people to provide for illegitimate children in a completely anonymous way could well be it could well be i've read a few sources on it no one has brought it up but there's every reason to believe that yeah that could have played a part in it because you have a mysterious shadowy daddy figure who was never revealed very much in the background of this story maybe that was the means to it well then we've learned something mm, there we go we cracked the case that's it that's it we're done but anyway back to france and uh and young adelaide so adolf her adopted father died when she was five mummy dies when she was 11 oh sad, 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 sad. she had several siblings she would go to live with with her uncle and aunt in England. Uh, William Wellbeloved was his name. Nice. I like that. Yes. She sort of goes back and forth and she studies in France at a convent for a while, but it's in her late teens that her shadowy father figure in the background decides that it's time for Adelaide to wed. Quite. Looking out for her best interest there, yeah. <laughs> Is he just standing behind there under a sheet? <laughs> He's been there the whole time. He's been there the whole time. <laughs> just like behind a portrait with eyes. <laughs> He's carrying the portrait around of Queen Victoria <laughs> and he's just doing the shifty eyes and like, who's that? That's my father. Nice. We don't speak of him. <laughs> I haven't looked behind the portrait. <laughs> At the age of 19, 
Adelaide moves back to England because Daddy appears to have found a match for her. Yes. Now, Adelaide is young. She's beautiful. She's bright. She's graceful. She's French. So she's automatically sexy. Very fancy. And it's only right that she marry a man with a great big sum of money. That's what attracted <laughs> Daddy to him. So he has found Edwin Bartlett. Huge tracts of land. Oh, the length of Yorkshire. Edwin Bartlett, son of Edwin Sr., um, he's got two brothers and he ran a successful, gro- he's a grocer. He's got nice. a grocery store. He's starting up his own business. Edwin is 30 years of age. He's quite handsome, fair hair, blue eyes, very hardworking. He's quite a good match, actually. Edwin's daddy doesn't like Adelaide at all. He doesn't like this arrangement. Now, Edwin's daddy, Edwin Sr., he's quite, you can picture him, he's quite a cantankerous old man. He's uh, His son is working very hard and he's built up this business. Edwin Sr. has a lot to say about his son's life and about his choice of wife. Because really, if a wife comes into the picture, maybe Edwin Sr. won't uh, get as many benefits from his son who's uh. basically supporting him. But regardless of Edwin Sr.'s objections that she brought no money to the marriage and she has some sort of shady past who is her father and where is she from it doesn't matter the marriage is agreed and it's agreed on certain terms with adelaide's real life father or whoever he has brokered this deal with and the two of them wed in 1875 and what does any young husband do as soon as he has married his sexy french wife nick i mean you know Day of the wedding. Aye. After the ceremony's done, what do you what do you think he well, down to the, gets up to? Down to, the, down to the cocktail bar and get a get a few tasty Manhattans in, and I don't know. He sends her straight off for an education. Well, quite right, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, the stipulation of the marriage is that Edwin would continue Adelaide's education. He would provide an education for her. Also, parts of the stipulation is that he would never mention her um, her past and would take sole responsibility of her. Very much off daddy's hands. <laughs> Shadowy daddy figure who's backing away <laughs> with now, the yeah. picture. Has <laughs> now run a mile. So I think he's reported in some cases the day of the wedding, after the wedding breakfast, he deposits her to a finishing school or a school in Stoke Newington, a boarding school. And she will spend the next two years in education. One year at this Stoke Newington school, goes to a Protestant school in Belgium, where she's learning the ways of Protestants. And Belgians. And Belgians and Belgians. <laughs> uh, she converted to Protestantism from uh, Catholicism. <laughs> very, her husband. Very nearly thought you were going to say she converted to Belgianism. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? It's excellent beer over there. But in 1877, she returns home to her apartment above Edwin's grocery shop and they start life together, finally, as husband and wife. Eh, It's not quite the fairy tale that the young bride may have pictured. I think people often find that. I mean, she's got ready access to vegetables, but it's just not really what she was picturing edwin is is a very nice man he's kind and caring but he's completely consumed by his business he works all the hours he is built up an empire well not an empire let's say several shops several grocers shops. well it's I an mean, empire he's, he's wearing a mink coat and we we have had <laughs> tales of grocers before and french grocers <laughs> And they have been they have been particularly nightmarish. They are and prone yeah. to murder. So I'm I'm not surprised she's wary. Well, he's he's all right. He's but he's just working all the time to make this business and he's completely, completely devoted to it. Adelaide is bored. She's bored at home. It's work, work, work. And when Edwin isn't working, he has another quite interesting hobby. He likes to breed and show St. Bernard's dogs. Okay. 
in a small flat above a grocer. That's that's not really comfortable. <laughs> you add that, and that makes it seem more troublesome. <laughs> you can imagine her coming home one day and she's like, "Okay, fine. Well, at least he's finished work, darling. I've started breeding some Bernards. Oh, come on! <laughs> it's one room. <laughs> he actually has kennels, but yeah, he's breeding dogs or he's running his grocer shop. Adelaide passes her time um, playing the piano for hours, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> embroidering she has to walk the dogs every now and then she does like to read she reads a lot and i found one book that she reads that had apparently a very strong influence on her and i shall read it out it's by a dr nichols and the title was esoteric anthropology the mysteries of man a comprehensive and confidential treatise on the structure functions passional attractions and perversions true and false physical and social conditions and the most intimate relationships of men and women this is Victorian porn. <laughs> it it's a, sounds like a riveting read. There's some sort of kinky thing going on in there. Just just bear that in mind, maybe. Oh, God, okay. You know, just keep those <laughs> thoughts in your head, maybe. Because we'll discuss them later. <laughs> the couple are also under the ever-watchful eye of Edwin's father, who is still just, just suspicious of Adelaide. He's peeking behind doorways, around doorways, and, and just watching her. I was going to say, did, did Adelaide's father give him the portrait? So. <laughs> In 1878, Adelaide's boredom may have reached a peak because her father-in-law accused her of carrying on with Edwin Jr.'s younger brother, Frederick. (gasps) The scandal. My God. I know, she's bored at home. Husband's not really around. Yeah, but don't shag your... His brother, then. Well, he comes to visit. He's there. Oh, uh, he's there. What other excuse do you need? <laughs> he came into the house. What does I do? <laughs> I'd finished my piano for the day. <laughs> it was only polite. <laughs> it's Victorian England. Adelaide denies this. She absolutely denies that there's any impropriety going on. Even though by most accounts that are written later on in Fez that it was true, that they definitely had a correspondence and they definitely were very close with each other. It's a kind of a known open secret. A correspondence? They were shagging. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote two letters, my God. He did a small pornographic sketch. <laughs> However, husband Edwin is unwavering in his support of his wife. Takes a side, goes so far as to make his father sign a formal apology stating that the accusations are untrue. I like Edwin. He's like, nope, nope, my wife didn't do any of this. I want you to shut the fuck up, daddy. Oh, she's going to kill him, isn't he? Well, we don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, Edwin, he seems very keen to not have any accusations of impropriety in the marriage. Frederick, in the meantime, the younger brother, flees to America, but apparently keeps writing to Adelaide, which is, again, gives sort of fuel to the rumours that they were definitely in correspondence, shall we say. (laughs) Shall we say? So, yeah, so why shall we say on the end of that? (laughs) He's in America. They're not doing anything else, are they? <laughs> <laughs> like carrier pigeon. That yeah. was it. Semaphore. <laughs> In 1881, tragedy does strike the couple. It's taken six years for Adelaide, who is young and healthy, as is Edwin, to finally fall pregnant. But the pregnancy ends with a stillbirth. Ooh. After the stillbirth, the couple vow not to try for children again. Oh, okay. Now people question, why would it take so long? for her to fall pregnant why do they not want children again a curious detail is that edwin uses condoms okay not that keen on children then there's it's implied that having a child would create some financial pressure on the family when you know you're trying to if you're all about the business and then there's a bernard's Mm -hmm. dogs on the side children they're very very expensive so they are practicing safe sex he's not that interested in having children he keeps condoms on his person which are in the 1800s. That's a... Hmm. Okay. He's known to carry condoms with him. Well, we to think that Edwin is seeking attentions elsewhere. 
Or and the delightful you... things about condoms then is that they were reusable. <laughs> oh, and you God. had to wash them out after each time. <laughs> oh, God. That is a... D- well, what if he hadn't washed them? And just say, over say, there, say. just like peeling them off his trousers of a night. Oh, good God. Or is it all a bit of a ruse because they had a sexless marriage and that Adelaide perhaps had sought attention elsewhere but there may have been another reason overall of why there were no babies why there was a lack of sexy sexiness in this marriage maybe it had to do with the situation with edwin's teeth (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm very intrigued about where this is going (laughs) (laughs) so edwin's teeth had been in somewhat of a bad state for some time he had not very good teeth he had unfortunately gone to a quack dentist let's just call a spade a spade here the dentist was insane (laughs) and had taken the pretty radical step of saying you need to remove some of your teeth well pretty much all of them and he sawed them off down to the jawline including the healthy teeth as well as any infected or decayed ones he sawed off the teeth right down to the gum line so then edwin has no teeth and he also has stumps that themselves begin to rot and decay nice in his jaw and food gets compacted in there and that starts to rot and decay and edwin also complains that dentures and plates are quite uncomfortable so he's just got a big mouth of horror and sewage just there at you <laughs> that sounds entirely delightful it, it, it's it's pretty damn sexy but you I mean you say that i mean it's not entirely unusual at that time to a lot of people would have all their teeth removed just because it was easier yes but removed is one thing and then having dentures put in sawn oh, off yeah, down so, and to then the gun. have wooden teeth put in because they were easier to maintain but that's it because this this was not necessary he had healthy teeth in there that this dentist just sawed out of his head yeah yeah because it might yeah. cause him problem in the future, so just get him out now. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> but it didn't work. The man has just gummy horribleness yeah, it's happening, well. coming at his wife. Hello, love. Hello, you. Hello, you. Yeah, you don't that, want that, that going anywhere. Yeah, so let's just, just say the marriage is strained. It's interesting that Edwin's also stipulated in his will that Adelaide will only inherit any of his estate if she never marries again after his death. If he harsh. should die, she should never marry again. She's not very happy about that. That's fair. Mm. So amid this strained marriage after the, the very sad death of their child, him working constantly and having a mouth of horrors... <laughs> Uh, They decide to have a break and they take a cottage in Merton Abbey in London. Edwin is still back at work and he's there and Adelaide is bored again. But they make a new friend. They make a new friend. Oh, the Wesleyan minister named George Dyson. Did he make Hoovers? No relation to the Hoovers. (laughs) He just came round, knocked on the door with his rudimentary Hoover and said, Hello. I come to tell you about God and the suction power of this thing. (laughs) And the suction power of cyclones. (laughs) George is three years younger than Adelaide. He's intelligent. He's kind. He's attractive. He is able to talk about all manner of things to the bored and lonely Adelaide. And she is delighted to have made a new friend. But not only is she delighted, so is Edwin. Edwin is very happy to have made this new friend. And he absolutely 
absolutely encourages the friendship with his wife. No problem. Get Come and tutor my wife. Talk to her. Well, he's a man of God. Nothing untoward is going to happen there. Indeed, yeah, probably. He's got some faith in that respect. The three strike up a very, very close friendship. And they are more than happy. Edwin is more than happy for Adelaide and George to walk and talk and prance together while he's off working. Adelaide adores the intention of this man who becomes her spiritual tutor. Edwin and George write to each other. And Edwin is particularly gushing in his letters. I'm going to read you some of the text of one of his letters. To me, it is a privilege to think I am allowed to feel towards you as a brother and hope our friendship may ripen as time (sighs) goes on without anything arising to mar its future brightness. (laughs) Would that I could find the words to express thankfulness to you for the very beautiful loving letter you sent Adelaide today. It would have done anyone good to see her overflowing with joy as she read it when walking along the street and afterwards as she read it to me. I felt my heart going out to you. I long to tell you how proud I feel at the thought that I should soon be able to clasp the hand of the man who could from his heart pen such noble thoughts. Who can help loving you? I feel I must say to you two words. Thank you. And my desire to do so is my excuse for troubling you with this. Looking towards the future with joyfulness, I am yours affectionately, Edwin. Edwin's a big old gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm kind of leaning very much towards that. Edwin is is gay for George and gay for everyone, I think. <laughs> That's a lovely letter. That's a it's lovely letter. It's such a letter. nice letter. It's such a nice letter. But as I will continue with the story, and I think your thoughts on this may be further compounded. <laughs> but we'll, we'll make a judgment at the end. So servants also notice that George is staying very late at the house when Edwin is gone and he's dining with Adelaide alone. He's Adelaide's tutor. He shows up without any books on him. None whatsoever. Just just sex toys. But... <laughs> you see, now this makes me sad because obviously mm. George is really fancying Adelaide and Edwin is in love with George. And it's a, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Or has an arrangement been made? Well, mm-hmm. The friendship continues as the couple, Adelaide and Edwin, move into a flat in Pimlico. George lives nearby. He's a frequent visitor and a guest. Their friendship continues. In fact, Edwin even redraws his will and makes George the executor, and he removes the ban of Adelaide remarrying after his death, inferring that George would make a very good husband. Intriguing. This arrangement might be all well and good for some, but not, it seems, for Adelaide. Well, no, she's just selfish. But certainly around this time, she starts to confide in George of her husband's terrible internal illnesses. Edwin, she says, had suffered from an internal complaint for some time now and she had been treating him with chloroform but it was no good she knew that he would be dead within a year and a doctor had told her as much but don't say anything to edwin george she tells him don't it would upset him sure enough in november 1885 edwin's health takes a downward turn stomach pains diarrhea all those interesting mm, symptoms heard those before now a doctor arrives and starts to treat edwin dr leach his name is And he examines Edwin's gums because who wouldn't, quite frankly? He looks in and he notices a thin blue line in the gums, which is a sign of mercury poisoning. Now, do you know what people used to take mercury for back in the day? It was um, VD, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, syphilis. For syphilis. Now, 
The doctor gently suggests this. Is he taking something for venereal disease? Adelaide denies it completely and she says he doesn't have the disease. It turns out, well, he doesn't. He doesn't have venereal disease. And there's no mercury medication. She denies it. The doctor assumes he must have taken a mercury pill at some point. Maybe no questions asked. I won't press this any further and he's had an allergic reaction to it. So that's what's shown up the blue line. Um, He also finds he has worms at this stage. There's never any explanation of why he has worms. Never proven why, but the doctor prescribes more medicine. Off he goes. He's keeping an eye on Edwin. Adelaide stays by his side. Edwin's side the whole time. She is with him, sleeps in a chair by his bed, serves him his meals. He relies on her constantly. He genuinely becomes upset if she leaves. She tells Dr. Leach when he says that she should get some help in, she says, what is the use, doctor? He will walk about the room like a ghost. He will not sleep unless I sit and hold his toe. Okay. (laughs) That's a... Loving. Not loving, yeah, not where I was think, thought that sentence was going to end. I have to say, um, I know it's not it's not a very affectionate thing. It's like if you hold someone's hand, hand on their foot, but if if you just kind of like just pincer <laughs> one big toe at arm's length, like you're right, you know, it just doesn't. Well, perhaps she was doing like a, this little Mickey meant to market this little thing you said at home type thing, um, and then for he, six hours and then a he night, fell asleep. <laughs> the doctor's visits prove useful, and Edwin's health starts to improve. And it's around this time that Adelaide asks her dear dear friend George, darling friend, to fetch some extra chloroform for her. He needs more medicine. She could ask the doctor, but the doctor doesn't understand that Adelaide understands medicine. She has read so many books and and he would fob her off. So can you go to the chemist for me and procure this chloroform for her? And George goes, little lapdog, buys four small bottles of chloroform from the chemist. He tells the chemist, for whatever reason, because he's obviously got to write in the book, that he needs them to remove grease stains from his clothes. Okay. Mm. I've not heard of that use of chloroform, but yeah, I'll go with it. George would later say he panicked and realised later how suspicious this would look. Yes, yes, I agree. On December the 31st, Edwin was doing very well. He went out. He went out for the day. Went to see his dentist. Obviously needed to. (laughs) Yes. Um, And Adelaide was uh, markedly affectionate towards her husband all day. She said to Dr. Leach when he visited him that she wished they were unmarried so they might have the pleasure of marrying again. Oh, how delightful. How delightful. Edwin ate a large dinner and requested a large haddock for his breakfast. Quite right. The next morning, saying that he could, so he should get up an hour earlier at the thought of having it. <laughs> so I could have used haddock. Could I've had haddock as a secret ingredient. I'm very glad you didn't, because <laughs> I must admit, fish would be a puzzler. I think I can come up with something with fish, but we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Mm. Anyway, they went to bed. And on the 1st of January, 1886... Adelaide calls out to her landlord and asks him to come down. I think Mr. Bartlett is dead. Edwin was dead in his bed. Oh, my God. Edwin is examined and a post-mortem would later reveal that his stomach was full of liquid chloroform. Don't just drink it, the stuff. You can take a moment here to think what might have happened. Well, that's a trick. If his stomach is full of liquid chloroform, then well, was he knocked out with the gas and then force-fed it? Because I think if you put, just put it in a glass and drink it, you're going to know you're drinking something rather unpleasant. So I'm struggling to come up with a solution as to how that would have just been drunk, not forcefully. 
But where do we come back to that? Edwin's father is the first one to shout that this is evidence of foul play. Adelaide, he points the finger squarely at her. She has murdered my son. He's always hated her and here is the proof. There is a report from the Times. Uh, the father, he'd seen his son Edwin a couple of days earlier. Edwin said he was much better, but he said he had snakes crawling up inside him. Those damn Vikings report, again. <laughs> infection. The report says the father had been told of his son's death. He went at once to the house and was put in a rage at being kept waiting 26 minutes in the smoking room. 26 minutes in the smoking room. It's a disgrace. An it's utter disgrace. disgrace. It's absolutely shocking. I know. I would never leave anyone in my smoking room. Mrs. Bartlett then came, put her arms around his neck and said, Dear father, don't fret. I'll do it in a French accent. (laughs) Dear father, don't fret. I will never see you want. It shall be the same as if Edwin was alive. The old man returned her caresses. I bet he did. (laughs) Dirty old man. Then he went upstairs to the corpse. His own testimony puts the thing thus. I leaned over him and kissed him passionately and smelled his corpse for prussic acid. Okay. Mm-hmm. that's quite a, a specific thing you're trying to smell for daddy's weird daddy is slightly weird yes but either way adelaide is accused and turfed out of edwin's home by edwin senior not even allowed to collect her things apparently edwin senior made a big show of even checking her pockets when she was just his wife the they're building. married what right does yeah, he she, have he to... hated her yeah but he hated her yeah rude and he's just like she's killed my son get out checking her pockets don't take anything with you out you go so it looks like adelaide is going to be accused george on the sidelines terrified absolutely panicked he is questioning what the hell happened with this chloroform you may be by chloroform what's going on what's going on adelaide turns on him and every time he's questioning her and asking her about things she's saying she never said edwin was dying and he needs to stop fussing about the chloroform the damn chloroform you keep asking me about this they roused so fiercely so fiercely as the day of the inquest drew nearer with Adelaide intimating that he should just hush up and she will hush up as well that they fought so much that on their final row they would never speak again and at the inquest Adelaide gives evidence and this is where the secrets of the marriage begin to tumble out Edwin she says had interesting theories about animal magnetism and the relationships between husband and wife and it was at Edwin's insistence that the marriage was platonic. No interest in consummating the marriage. They were to live as brother and sister. But when they met George Dyson, Edwin threw the two of them together and he requested them to start a relationship. She she claimed that her husband said it was fine for her to carry on with another man. It, he requested in his presence for them to kiss and he seemed to enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's not an unknown thing, I suppose. Menage a trois. That's sort of slightly... Yeah, 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 possible. Mm. But, yeah. but then again, if your theory that Edwin is, uh, yeah. is gay as the day is long, Adelaide claims that towards the end of Edwin's life, he wanted sexual relations. He wanted in on the game with her. And she was like, no, 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 this wasn't the deal. I don't, I don't like this. She said that she apparently got the chloroform to sprinkle on a handkerchief and wave in his face every time he tried advances and then he would go to sleep. That does not work. <laughs> Just knock someone out every time they get frisky. It's fine. (laughs) They are taken to trial. Adelaide and George are accused, taken to the Old Bailey to stand trial. But George is thought to be much more powerful as a prosecution witness. Ah. So the charges against him are dropped and he gives evidence against Adelaide. Nice. But yet again, Adelaide's shadowy daddy, he's there with the the picture frame just walking around the crime scene. His influence is still felt 
because he hires Sir Edward Clarke, the most talented and most expensive lawyer of his time, to defend Adelaide. Whether it's just because he's like, okay, shady past daughter, I don't really want her to be hanged. And by well, obviously, he's this. keeping an eye on things, or he's got he's got minions Whoever who he are. Is, he's yeah. got deep pockets. Gotcha. She's got the best damn lawyer in town. So as a result, George takes a stand and denies any impropriety between them. No, he never did anything. I'm a good godly man. It's all lies, 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 lies. She wanted to buy the chloroform and I just didn't, I didn't want it. I just didn't want it. I didn't want to argue. Uh, leave me alone. Claims that he said about the um, removing grease from the clothes because he didn't want to give any tedious explanations about why he was really buying chloroform. We don't want to like bother the pharmacist. Totally. With your life problems. No, indeed. Um, and it's at the trial that it emerges that Edwin carried condoms because they were found in his trouser pockets. So it's absolutely recorded that, yeah, he was a condom user. So were they really in a sexless marriage or were the husband and wife is all her stuff lies? The prosecution is just claiming Adelaide is a devil woman who wanted to marry George and get a hand on her husband's money. So she poisoned him. None of this matters. Because how did the chloroform get into Edward's stomach? Yes. This is where the trial will hinge on. There were no burn marks around Edwin's mouth or throat. If you pour liquid chloroform slowly into a sleeping person's throat, it's if you're lying hurt. down, there's going to be burn marks. So he would have had to be sitting up, which implies that he drank it. And also, you need to drink it in whole one big gulp if it's going to pull in your stomach. So if you'd been forced slowly, he would have vomited. There's no evidence at all that he has been snuck this poison or it's been poured down his throat forcibly. They can't work out how it got in his stomach. So the defence says that Adelaide was devoted to her husband. No history of violence, no reason. Why would anyone turn to murder? Quite reasonably. Why? Why are we leaping to murder? And again, from another testimony, Clark hinted that it was much more likely that Edwin Bartlett, ill, depressed and anxious for his wife to find happiness with another man, had killed himself. Yeah. if Edwin swallowed the chloroform quickly enough it would not have left any marks in his throat or his mouth and he closed by declaring that from the moment of that death every word and act and look of hers Adelaide has been the word and act and look of a woman conscious of her innocence Oh! as a result of Sir Edward Clark's statements the jury voted for acquittal but they were compelled to add the caveat that although there was not sufficient evidence to show how or by whom the chloroform was administered, we think grave suspicion is attached to the prisoner. Adelaide was acquitted. Yeah, grave suspicion doesn't really do much, though, does it? So they <laughs> still let her off. After the trial, George emigrated to Australia, George Dyson. The doctor who treated Edwin, Dr Leach, died trying to experiment on another murder or accidental death case, he did loads of experiments about how people could die from certain things. And he died experimenting how inhaling sewer gas might cause diphtheria. <laughs> well, he deserves that, to be honest. <laughs> Apparently, he did his own experiments during the Bartlett case with chloroform to see if it coloured his tongue and stuff like that. And it's just, and apparently it was recorded, it's a miracle he didn't die in that case. Well, there's something to say with dedication to, the, to your art, to your science. So, um, good for him for that, but... Mm. And Adelaide disappeared, it was said, to America and was never heard from again. That's mad. The theories were that it was believed that Adelaide may have 
been dosing her husband in the hope that he would quietly pass away. She'd used chloroform in the past to make him sleep, but she didn't know how much it was needed to kill him. Mm. But she delivered a large glo- dose of liquid chloroform in brandy, in a brandy glass uh. to drink. A glass was found in the room with a sweet smell similar to chloroform, but it was washed very quickly before anyone else could take it away for evidence. And it was this case that would lead Sir James Paget, the surgeon and pathologist at St Bartholomew's Hospital in London, to say, following the verdict, now that it is all over, <laughs> she should tell us in the interests of science how she did it. That's a veg- That is the story of Adelaide it is a brilliant story it's a brilliant story (laughs) and you do feel so sorry for edwin i find this so weird this case there was something strange going on in that marriage well i mean thinking if he if he was gay which Mm. is seems potentially likely obviously something that was considered a abominable horrendous thing at the time he was out visiting his gentleman friends um hence Mm. the condoms he has on his yeah. on his person or something um his deep admiration for george and his the the, the friendship there so i think that I is think potential it, it seems yeah. like he has a he definitely has something going on in his his life that he was had an arrangement with adelaide so whether he was gay or whether he was visiting prostitutes on the side and had been secretly treating himself with venereal disease. I mean, they say that, that there was no evidence in his body of venereal disease, but then maybe his treatments worked, is the thing. <laughs> if he'd been taking mercury, maybe he, he didn't have syphilis anymore. And then she to say that they had this arrangement and that he had agreed. Well, I mean, perhaps, perhaps he had agreed. Perhaps he had agreed. Yeah. Perhaps it was, yeah, well, I think a, com- it was a, a complete arraigned marriage of convenience. He, he, knew, he knew and accepted what, what he was, and probably so did she. Yeah, she knew what the situation was. Really want to be married, did she? You know, and so yeah, it's like okay, you go and do your thing over there. I'll go and do my thing over here, Mm. and we're in this for yeah, the look of the thing. Be done with it. Then the question is: is that did she kill him or did he kill himself? That's the only two options there. There's 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 still again people debate that he had to be sitting up. He couldn't have been lying down asleep and that poured down his throat. There's no way that that could happen without it burning. No, indeed. And that does make me think that was it in fact a suicide? Was it something yeah. that the stigma attached to his, li- his life? Would yeah. it be something that you would just say, okay, fuck it. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Desperately sad. He's, absolutely. That's why I say so I feel so, so, so sorry for him. Again, if he's got all of the tooth business as well <laughs> and all of this, it's just feeling yeah. that way feeling that way he's and maybe adelaide was really caring and maybe she did sit by him and, and loved him and cared him and it was an assisted suicide maybe he just said i want to go i want to yeah i mean oh, i'm in love i'm in love with this man who who oh. can't yeah i don't yeah so that's why i say it's oh, actually God, it's no, desperately it's sad. sad that's really sad oh we could just go with that she was a she, was she a or let's go with that that's she happier. <laughs> she killed him violently and horribly and then fled the country she could have given him she could have poured the chloroform into the brandy yes Absolutely. And told him if he if he believed her so much and said you need to down this in one because that's the only other way you can do it. You need to yeah. like literally if knock it back in one. Th- that's why people think if you're killing yourself, then you, yeah. you're like right, get it down you quickly. And she said like knock it back, and then that was it, and then he died. Was it entirely malicious? He was quite happy with things as they were, bumbling yeah. along. He had his arrangements on the money. side. He was happy seeing his whoever. Mm. She wanted the cash. From the from the business, wanted a new life with 
not necessarily with George, but with someone else. Get rid of him. Yeah. No one's going to suspect me. And then I'll and go. He had to- changed his will four yeah. months beforehand. It was like literally four months before he died. It was very convenient that she could marry again. So she could have gone off and married George and she would have inherited. Yeah. Or I can go to the States and marry anyone I want. And I've got this money behind me. So Mm. that is equally, in my mind, that is the preferable option. Otherwise, it is so desperately sad. (laughs) It's it's weird that we get to an option where we we actually would rather the person... We'd rather it would have been cold-blooded murder rather than a desperate suicide. the sadness Um. of that story, of that tragic proper... (laughs) Why? and in that case i'm glad she got off uh if she did kill him then i'm then, then oh god <laughs> so, i mean what's really interesting is this shadowy father figure and obviously we, we will <laughs> we will never know who this man was but that's that's really interesting you're saying about the what is it the chancery chancery loves but that's really interesting that he was there in the background i mean this is a, a, again i've not seen any films or, or i know there's been so many books written about this case and some dramatizations, but you think this is proper cinema stuff. The menage a trois, the, the the love triangle that was happening, and the shadowy daddy figure who's watching over his daughter and is able to pay for the best damn lawyer in town to get her off from hanging. It can go either way, isn't it? Mm. It's either that that's wonderful, he saved her, or she's a total bitch and money has bought her way out yeah. of Yeah, well, absolutely, uh, yeah. Oh, it's, a, story, it? it's a very good, it's a damn good story. Yes. What do you think, people? Do you think Adelaide Bartlett was guilty? What do you think about the marriage situation? Do you think she got away with murder? Tell us your theories. Tell us your thoughts. What have you read about this case? Because it is a famous one. It's a biggie. Inspired Agatha Christie stories, inspired a lot of other crime writers. Um, Come and talk to us on the social media, as always, and share your thoughts and theories and tell us more stories that we should cover. Share ideas of what crazy cases are out there that we have not given the poisonous cabinet treatment to Mm, as yet. There are many. Try a serpent's tooth. I mean, I've knocked back that and I'm feeling very jolly. That was brilliant. So give it a go. It's got some random ingredients, but the, yeah, the recipe will be out on social later on this evening. So let us know what you think. And come and find us on Patreon, people. Got lots of extra episodes. You get an extra episode every single week. You get bonus episodes. You get bloopers from us. And you get to talk to us and share even more thoughts and ideas with us over on Patreon. It's a lovely place, just but $5 a month to come and get all of the back catalogue and everything future that we do. It is but pennies and well worth it. And uh, check out the merch in time for Christmas if you do need any Poisonous Cabinet merch. Who doesn't? There's plenty in store tell your friends dress your friends as poisonous <laughs> cabinet bitches and uh, and make them dance for you thank you to everyone who's also left us new reviews we've seen a few more new, v- yes. new reviews on itunes and it means so much to us and if you haven't already get on to itunes get on there a review. Get on five there. stars five stars obviously five stars we don't take criticism well <laughs> this is true we do cry a lot thanks for listening guys we have been the people inside the poisoners cabinet we will see you next week and remember Your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.